0: You were here last week, the gospel lesson where Jesus told us how to get the erring brother or sister back when they had gone astray. Now, our Savior this morning has a different theme, and that is forgiving those who have personally wronged us in one way or another. Jesus on one hand, tells us to go in love, getting that person to acknowledge their sin, and now he wants us to be ready and willing to be forgiving if a brother or a sister personally does something to us. Not reconciliation, but retaliation is the rule of thumb in our world today, isn't it? When someone does something to offend us, we see more times than not that person trying to get even instead of being forgiven. We live in a violent world. Look at the TV or look what's happening in our cities today throughout our country and we know that that is true. And we see the violence all the time and we've gotten so to it, we don't think anything about it. We see it acted on TV, in the evening news, or in the movies, or in the sitcoms, or whatever. Violence has even spread down to the game, the video games that the kids are playing. And the kids can't wait to get it, and to see how that violence plays out. Every morning we pick up our paper or we read it online about, and we just pass over those news items because we have seen those many times before. Retaliation is the rule of thumb and and reconciliation is for the weak. But Jesus in our text for this morning flatly contradicts the world's view and he lays down for us a better principle. Peter, in his conversation with Jesus, asks how many times are we to forgive those people who sin against us? And he lays down the number seven. And I think Peter thought he was quite liberal in his thinking because the Jewish rabbis were pushing three and no more. And here Peter doubles that number and then for good measure he adds one more to it. Seven seems and in, indicate completeness. But Jesus has a surprising answer that shocked Peter and perhaps the disciples who were there. He says, no, Peter, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And with this, Jesus tells a parable to illustrate what he meant by that statement. Jesus tells about a king having servants. And one day, he, the king calls the servants to account. You see, they were almost like business managers to do his, for his estate and his wealth. And so he happens to call, the, the king happens to call a servant who owed a tremendous account. And this debt, he couldn't pay, obviously, because it was so great. And he would, if you look at that, in in today's terms, it would be almost like the national debt. There's no way an individual could pay it. But the king, nevertheless, demanded for his servant to pay that debt in full. And you can imagine how that servant must have felt like. Have you ever been so tense that everything seems to be closing in on you? You could barely even breathe. When you experience something like that, your blood pressure goes sky high, off the chart, and all this person could do was just fall on his face and plead for mercy. And he even promised to pay it back, but he knew he couldn't. And in spite of all of this, The king, believe it or not, had mercy on this servant and forgave his debt in full. This parable shows us, first of all, that our forgiveness is empowered by God's forgiveness. The debt that 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 servant has was like a debt that you and I have marked up against God. And that debt that God gave was was great too. Our sin includes not only our transgressions, but all the things that we should have done or for some reason or another we didn't do to help those. Like noticing that lonely person who needed our help, but we were too busy to recognize it. Or maybe, failing to give an encouragement to someone who really could have used a kind word that day. I think that you understand what I'm talking about. All the things that we do or fail to do. And you know how they mount up. And we cannot pay our debt as the servant in our parable could not pay his debt. Good intentions will not suffice. Our own feeble efforts will not remove our guilt. How will we ever pay that amount that we owe God? As that king in our parable in love forgave that servant his debt, so God forgives our debt against him. God forgave us at great cost. Our debt could not be just torn up and forgotten, no. The debits and the credits had to balance. So Jesus took that debt that you and I owed and he paid down to the very last penny. Peter puts it this way in his epistle. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. And the currency that he used was not dollars and cents. It was Christ's very lifeblood so that he might pay that debt that was so outstanding on your and my account. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, God forgives us for Jesus' sake. The prophet Micah puts it this way. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgressions of the remnant of his heritage? When we experience God's forgiveness, And that forgiveness can be our aim. Think of it. Think what it means to be out of debt before God. Because of his love, Jesus showed to us that we are now forgiven children of God and heirs of eternal salvation, heirs of eternal life. Now we have peace with God. Our text indicates that our forgiveness imitates God's forgiveness. We forgive from the heart. That does not mean that we are always able to forget the offense. The memory of it may still disturb us at times, but we don't hold the person accountable for it. One man was talking to his friend at work. His wife and him had had a tiff. He said, every time something happens, my wife becomes historical. He says, you don't mean historical, you mean hysterical. No, she brings up all the bad things I've ever done. Is that the way we do when we forgive? Well, maybe the illustration might help. At the first, missionaries among the Eskimos in North America sought to translate that scripture into their native language. And they had often that difficulty of finding terms equivalent to biblical words. And one such term or difficult word was forgiveness. And they could not find any single word that would be, have the identical meaning so that they had a compound noun, which literally meant not being able to think about it anymore. And that's what forgiveness is. We cannot necessarily forget it as God does, but we do not think about it anymore. And being able not to think about it anymore is the first step towards healing. We do not hold those hostile feelings towards that individual anymore, even though we can still remember what that individual might have done to us. In the book, Tramp for God, Corey 10 boom tells how that uh, after the war she met the guard who had been her captor in the Revenbrook concentration camp where her sister had died. He came forward after she had addressed the church gathering and and though he did not recognize her, he said to her that he had been a a guard at, at the concentration camp and he reached out his hands and asking her for forgiveness. Corey recalled that how she hesitated, remembering how cruel that he had been to her and to her sister and many others. And then recalling the Lord's words that we, we are to forgive or we cannot be forgiven, and yet still feeling unable to lift her hand towards him. She prayed silently, Lord, help me. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And suddenly, she said that she could feel God's power traveling through her hand and out to that former prison guard. I forgive you, brother, she said. She cried with all her heart. She said that she never knew God's love so powerfully as she knew then. You see, we set no limit on our forgiveness. That servant in our text for today set a limit. Immediately after if he'd been forgiven that, that big debt, he goes out of the king's house and he finds his fellow servant who owed him in today's terms 20 bucks. And he did to the servant what he begged the king not to do to him. You see, Peter was ready to set the limits of his forgiveness to seven. He was willing to forgive four times past the amount that was specified in the religious laws, and then after that call a halt to forgiveness. We too stand accused of setting a limit. And yet if we are to imitate God's forgiveness, The spirit of vengeance cannot be permitted to rise. We must recognize that the debt owed by us, by our fellow men, is nothing compared to the debt that we have accumulated in our sins against God. Therefore, recognizing that debt that we have and what Jesus has done for us in paying our unpayable debt, we do not limit our forgiveness that we offer to those people who come to us. No matter how great the sin is that has been done to us, we should not limit our forgiveness. We in that forgiveness reflect the love of God. The unforgiving servant reflected hate, not love and compassion. But refusal to forgive causes distress among Christians and makes a mockery out of God's forgiveness. And those people around that unforgiving servant was was shocked by the lack of mercy that that they witnessed. They were sad at what they had just witnessed. We as forgiven children of God are to reflect God's love to the meanest and the worst. I'm sure all of us could probably remember some horror horror stories that people have done to us. But think of what could be averted. If only we would put this in the practice of our daily lives to be forgiving. And what a witness would this be for around us, for those people who could see that spirit of forgiveness that Jesus showed in our relationship with those people who have sinned against us. Our Old Testament lesson shows to us, I'm sure it was very hard for Joseph in that lesson this morning, not to harbor a grudge against those brothers who by their jealousy, had robbed him of many years of happiness at home. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, he could say to them, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good so that many people would be saved alive. Let us then today put on then as God's chosen one holy, beloved compassion. And with St. Paul, let us be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as Christ in love has forgiven you. Let us make forgiveness our aim each and every day of our lives, no matter what other people have done to us. Let us not forfeit God's forgiveness by our lack of forgiveness. Let us reach out with God's power, forgiving others as he so lovingly has forgiven you. Amen.